Welcome to the Thriving in Ministry podcast. This is the place to have authentic conversations with pastors and church leaders who want to create margin, avoid burnout, and lead effectively in ministry. The Thriving in Ministry podcast is brought to you by dailypastor.com and Talenton Church Services. So let's join the conversation with your co-hosts, Kyle Willis and Dace Clifton. On today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, we interview Matt and Allison Willis on making disciples using the new Master Life Together material. Matt and Allison Willis are the authors of the new book, Master Life Together, which releases October 3rd through Lifeway. And it's an updated edition of the Master Life curriculum, which has sold hundreds of thousands of copies and become some of the most frequently used discipleship material over the last 40 years. Currently at Calvary Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Matt is the Associate Pastor of Missions and Evangelism. Matt has a Master's of Divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and has also co-authored Learning to Soar, How to Grow Through Transitions and Trials. And Allison Willis is with us as well. Allison is a registered dietitian with a master's degree in dietetics and is a nutritional counselor. Allison adapted a simplified version of Be Transformed, discovering biblical solutions to life's problems, which she helped translate into South Asian languages and used to train women overseas. Matt and Allison Willis met each other in college on an international mission trip, and while serving the Lord together is how their relationship began, they went on to serve as missionaries with the International Mission Board for seven years in South Asia. Matt and Allison have three children who I'm proud to call my niece and nephews. I'm Kyle Willis, founder of Talenton Church Services, and as always, Dr. Dace Clifton from dailypastor.com and a pastor in Texas. Matt and Allison and Dace, welcome to the Thriving in Ministry podcast. Thanks. Glad to be with you guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is going to be awesome, Kyle, and thanks so much, Matt and Allison. Usually, we get started with some random question, and I have got one for you guys. You guys have been in ministry for a while. You've served in various contexts, overseas in missions, various churches. You're also authors. What is the biggest blessing about being in ministry, followed by the biggest challenge? Well, I was preaching recently, and one of the things I said was, when you're in vocational ministry, you get to see the best in people and the worst in people, and mm. even gave an illustration one time of that, of when someone in our church was trying to build a relationship, share the gospel with non-believers, while another member was physically attacking him. <laughs> you know, I thought, wow, it's just kind of crazy to see both happening at the same time. You know, I think the blessing is to see life transformation, to see people grow in their walk with God and how that in turn blesses other people. But then I think the disappointment is whenever there's just people in the church that I know I'm not supposed to question people's salvation, but I just do sometimes. Like, are you really a believer? Because the fruit just doesn't seem to be there in some people's lives. But, you know, we want to love people equally, whether they're a believer or not. Actually, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's uh, sometimes it can be a gospel issue and a gospel heart issue. A grace issue might be another way to say it, to not reflect the grace that's been given to them through Christ. And I think most pastors who've served in ministry a little while could probably echo those. So thank you for that. All right. Well, I'm excited to talk about Master Life. I do have one confession, though. Before this meeting, I did go to McDonald's and, you know, I got a nice coffee and some snacks. And so since Allison is like a dietitian, this is like making me very uncomfortable, you know, so I'll just 
No judgment, hopefully, if I pick up my McDonald's cup here, but no, nevertheless. Jason, let's, let's segue on this for a hot second, uh, because I absolutely love uh, iced coffee from McDonald's. Allison is my sister-in-law, and um, Allison, I, I, we talk about you know being healthy on the Thriving Ministry podcast. I am not that healthy, and <laughs> I think you would probably say, just Kyle, just uh, eat some greens, don't eat as much and lay off the McDonald's iced coffee, right? <laughs> well, everything in moderation. So don't be so hard on yourself. Your nutrition is one aspect of your physical health. And there's a lot of other important things. Yeah. I drink cream in my coffee. I still eat out. I still enjoy fast food. So don't uh, hyper-focus on McDonald's. Wise words there, no doubt. Well, I am excited to talk to you guys about Master Life, and I'll, I'll begin with a quick story. Master Life really impacted my family back in the 80s. I know that it was originally released by your Avery Willis, and my parents in 1986 went through Master Life. It transformed their walk with Jesus. My parents, by their own admission, were somewhat of nominal Christians, particularly my dad. And he went through a master life discipleship program at another church and then came back and they began to be leaders at their church and they led master life in our home. I was young at that time. So, you know, I didn't understand what was going on. I just knew that I, I had to be quiet in my room while we had these really long meetings with other people in, in our house. And well, before long, my father uh, made a vocational career change. Uh, he ended up selling a piece of property that a farm that we owned, which many people questioned him doing that moved out of state. We moved to Wyoming. He pastored several churches there and he's been in ministry ever since for over the past 30 years. He's now 75 and he continues to uh, serve as a pastor. And he's one of the godliest people that I know. And I attribute a lot of that being started through his study of master life. And even today, if you were to ask him, he would talk about how powerful it was. So, you know, that's just my story with master life. I want to ask you guys, you know, how it personally impacted you. I know obviously your grandfather's story and the type of man that he was, but how were you guys impacted? Yeah. Since it was more popular in the 80s and 90s when Kyle and I were growing up. My first interaction with it really would have been as a teenager, and my granddad took me with him to Cuba, and he was training pastors and church planners uh, in Master Life. So I was 17 years old, and that was a significant experience for me. But as a kid, I didn't have an opportunity to go through Master Life. And so I actually went through it for the first time while leading a group as an adult after my granddad's already passed away. So there's a sentimental, emotional value of, yeah. wow, some of the things that my granddad wrote and recorded on video are still directly impacting me. Wow. Yeah. And my first experience with Master Life was actually just watching Matt take a group through it a few years back. And I was so encouraged hearing his stories every week after he would come back from his group sessions, just to hear about the, the transformation and the lives of those in his group was so exciting. And at the same time, 
time I was leading a small group and just, you know, the attendance wasn't consistent. I didn't feel like I could really see their growth. And I thought, how in the world are these people so committed to this group? This has got to be something special. And so Matt and I, um, after he led his first group through it, we were able to lead a group through it together, which was just a really incredible experience. And of course, I was just discipled again by granddad, but also go through it personally, but also lead this group through it. And it was just really, really exciting. Yeah, Allison, and whether we called him granddad or, or whether it was Avery, you know, he, he did impact uh, a lot of people through his ministry, and a lot of it started with Master Life. You guys rewrote a simplified version of the original that's coming out uh, October 3rd. You know, I, I'm kind of curious, Master Life Together, it's a discipleship experience for small groups. Um, Allison, you know, let's start with you. What kind of led you to rewrite uh, or to write Master Life Together? So during the time that Matt and I were leading our first group through the original curriculum, we were also reading through the biography on uh, Avery's life called I Aim to Be That Man, written by Aunt Sherry, Sherry Willis-Brown. She wrote a, a biography, and it was really just an incredible testimony of his life and his impact. And so reading that book really felt like we were just being, you know, discipled all over again. And it was during that time that we, you know, began to feel the stirring in our hearts, continue on this legacy of discipleship. There's a verse that says, fan into flame this gift that you have been given. And as I read that line in the biography, you know, something just sparked in my heart. And so we just approached Lifeway and just threw out this vision that the Lord had given us. And they just took it and ran with it. And, you know, we've just had lots of favor upon this project. And, and it's nothing because of our own merit. But we really feel like it's because this vision was from the Lord. And he is the one that has carried it to fruition. So we're really, really humbled by the opportunity to write this new curriculum together. Well, I just ordered, pre-ordered my copy of uh, your new book. Excited to, to get my hands on that and can't wait because I'm, you know, even though I've seen the impact of Master Life, I would fall into that category of, of many people in, I'll say, our generation that might not be aware. So I think the timing of this could very well be powerfully providential uh, just because there's a, a whole generation of people that aren't as familiar as my parents were and the massive impact it made. And I know Kyle and I have talked on other occasions about this material being used around the world. And as a side note, one of the observations that you may or you mentioned my father and mother also talked about scripture memorization and the importance of that in the whole master life process and how that was just so impactful and how being with a group of people that were focused on uh, going through this discipleship process together, encouraging one another and just the really high standard. And I just, it kind of reminds me of, you know, you get out of something, you know, what you put into it. And I think that there's certainly a connection there with our investment in our time and, and the memorization of scripture and how that pays powerful uh, spiritual dividend. So thank you guys for sharing that. And Matt, how does it feel, you know, to be honoring your granddad's legacy? What, what does that feel like for you? Just as Allison said, to kind of pick up the torch again and, and what do you foresee in the future with you doing that? 
It's definitely an honor that I'm humbly glad, you know, that God's given me this opportunity. Uh, when my granddad was still alive, I asked him if he would be interested in writing a book with me, and he said yes to that, and it ended up turning into a book called Learning to Soar that NavPress put out in 2009. So here it is, interesting, after his passing away, that collaborating with him in a sense of what he had put pen to paper before, he said something that I think is really interesting, probably for anyone who's listening on the podcast, something I heard him say was, the only direct ministry you'll have after you die is what's been recorded. So whether wow. that be written or video, audio, yes, we want to have indirect legacy through the people we've discipled, who've discipled others, but that direct ministry will only come when you've recorded something. And so, yeah, it's been a great privilege you know, to do that. I think part of the need of the hour, like you mentioned, is the fact that the last edition of Master Life came out in 1997, and it continues to be very fruitful. It was translated into 50 different languages. So people from around the world have been using it, but they haven't touched it in 25 years. And I think one of the challenges, I know a, a desire for my granddad of value is reproducibility. You know, that this would not just be received, but it'd be passed along to others. Oh. And I think that's a challenge for some people with the original Master Life material. The original process was 28 weeks long, and there are some people that we discipled through that. When we asked them, what's your plan on making disciples? Would you consider using Master Life? Some said yes, and some did. And then there were others that said I just don't know anyone who's willing to commit 28 weeks to in-depth discipleship. Mm. So that was part of our desires to shorten the process and yet still keep the original available for anyone that wanted to go through that still. Awesome insight. Well, thank you for sharing that, Matt. Well, let me ask you this question. I want to shift gears because you guys, you're both authors, but, but Matt, you're a pastor. So give us a little insight. We know that discipleship is important within the life of the church, but why is it that sometimes discipleship gets pushed to the back burner? Yeah, well, I'll say that we haven't always done it perfectly ourselves. So it's been a growing process for us. I think pastors are busy with so many different things that it's just something that we'll say is important. But when you ask a pastor, who are you discipling? I think many pastors will say, well, I preach and I teach, and that's different. I mean, people can grow as disciples through that to an extent, but it really involves accountability in a small group context that really help people. You're right. Scripture memory is one of the things that Master Life is most well known for, and we continue on in Master Life together with memorizing a verse uh, every week. But I think some of the value of discipleship is being done in small groups, I was discipled by someone with navigators who really value one-on-one discipleship. And I think that's still really important. But having lived in South Asia as missionaries, I realized Jesus mainly discipled in small groups. That's the context in which he made disciples. And so any material that is written that's helpful for the broader church isn't created in a vacuum. Mm. You know, it's something that is applicable, it's relevant to the ministry that's going on. And so content is not enough to make a disciple. Otherwise, there'd be a lot more disciples. I think what counts or gets called discipleship today often is just knowledge-based, and it doesn't have enough obedience and love. There's a part in the workbook where we say some 
people talk about knowledge-based discipleship. Some people talk about obedience-based discipleship, but God really calls us to love-based discipleship. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And so it ultimately is not just the spiritual disciplines of having a quiet time or sharing your faith. It's growing more in love with Jesus. And when we have other people to help us do that, the fruit comes out in every aspect of our lives, which is really an intent of this material. It's intended to be comprehensive. Yeah, it's a very holistic study. So we're actually looking at your spirit. We're looking at your soul. We're looking at your body. You know, we we were talking about McDonald's at the beginning of this episode, and we have several days of material about what does God say about what you eat? What does God say about your body? What does God say about your mind and your will and your emotions? And how can you surrender every part of yourself to him and and follow him with every realm of your being. And that's really our deepest desire for um, those who go through this study is that they would come away following Jesus wholeheartedly with all of themselves, that they would really be transformed and then pass that on to, to future generations. So Matt and Allison, I, w- I want to ask a clarifying question, and maybe we should have started with this. You, you've hit on it a little bit, but you know, specifically, what is it? Is it a workbook? Is it a book? You know, it's going to take me 12 weeks to get through, you know, not having exposure to it. um, If if someone was to pick it up, do they immediately go grab a group of five and and sit at a coffee table? Is it a personal workbook? What is Master Life Together? So the subtitle is a discipleship experience for small groups. So there in the subtitle, it's not intended to be a personal Bible study. It is small groups, which also means it's probably not going to work in a Sunday school class of 100 people. But two to 12 people in your small group is really what it's intended to be. You know, and back to Dace's point, part of the reason why more pastors aren't making disciples is there's some of them that have never been discipled themselves. I've been surprised every time I hear a pastor say, no one really discipled me. I I just think if we haven't been invested into, how are we able to do that for others? And Kyle, the material is a workbook, which is the same way that the original Master Life was written. There are five days of guided quiet time per week where you have to write things down. Okay, here's a question. Here's something to rank or reflect on. And so you'll write something down. And then when you gather weekly for an hour or two, Uh, the leader has a leader's guide in the material that will say, hey, here's some questions to ask. And yes, keep them accountable for what they learned. They had a conversation with God this past week through scripture, what God said to them, what they said to God. Uh, But then also turn to page 62. You know, what did you guys write in answer to that question? Yeah, and this is something that's uh, quite different from the original Master Life was four books plus a leader's guide book. So really five books, where Master Life Together is one book. You have the book and it includes a leader's guide at the end. And it's really more of facilitating the group more than leading it. So um, that is our goal is to make it much more reproducible. Well, I appreciate that insight because um, al- although I think uh, I know what it's going to look like, uh, Dace, you know, I, I, I'm kind of curious for you, you know, who has discipled you? I'm going to put you on the spot. Who are you discipling? And, and maybe even before then, if I could back up a little bit, you know, how do you define discipleship? 
Um, well, I would say the first person to disciple me would be uh, that woman that I spoke of earlier who went through Master Life, which would be my mother. And she really, you know, was the one of the most formative influences in my life. I mean, she's the one who first told me of the gospel. And I mean, just from the very beginning, she would be definitely fill that role. When I got into college, I began a, a discipleship relationship with a Baptist student ministry director. And then from that point, uh, met with him weekly. And so I would say probably that's what, what would look a little more formalized, you know, as a, an almost adult in college. Uh, currently, uh, as far as discipleship, I have a I guess there's two things in my life that would fit into the categories that you described. We have a weekly discipleship group that actually meets at 615 at our church, a group of men uh, that we began that in 2017 and, and continue for the past several years. Different men have kind of come in and out of that group, but that's a, a wonderful experience. It's not a very complicated thing or process that we've gone through there. We we originally read some books and would, would discuss uh, the principles there, life on life, Type principles. We were actually using some of Robbie Gallaty's material, uh, and I found great value in those. Just to be candid with you, I enjoy reading his books and would commend them and recommend them to anyone. And so that continues. So now, you know, he only wrote so many books, and so now we <laughs> we have a Bible reading plan. Uh, you know, weekly updates, prayer. You know, praying for one another. For me personally, though, in addition to that, I have a few mentors that I'll connect with. I hate to say the term as needed, but, you know, just there are other pastors or people in ministry. And so that are older than I am and more experienced than I am. So to be completely transparent, my contacting them sometime revolves around a problem or an issue, you know, I'm going and seeking help, you know, but yeah, I'm engaged in discipleship ministry in my church uh, on a weekly basis. And then I have several, at least two other significant mentor relationships in my life. And then lastly, I know you didn't ask for this. One of the things that Matt mentioned earlier, he talked about Jesus model of, of being involved in, in, in small group discipleship. And I think that's so significant and so important for me. Some of the healthiest and most fruitful times in my life spiritually is when I do surround myself uh, around people that are oriented in discipleship, uh, life on life, biblical community. Um, some of those experiences come you know, with some of my closest friends and people that once again are following Jesus as I am maybe in a different context. So I know I was all over the place, but that, that's the best answer I can give you currently with what's going on. There's a couple of things that I'm thinking of as I hear you talk in Dace and an answer to your question as well, Kyle. I bet the average listener is wondering, so can I use Master Life together in, a, in an existing discipleship group, or do I need to start a new group of people that I want to invest in as disciples? And the answer would be yes to either one. So this can be done in an existing group, but the expectations would need to be set. Uh, so many Sunday school classes or small groups they don't have much required of them during the week. So it's you learn some things and you come back next week and you learn some more and you're not really challenged to do anything with what you learned. This is different. And so there's some introduction that just sets those expectations. Here's what it's going to be 15 to 30 minutes a day when you're having the quiet time for five days a week. So yeah, I encourage existing groups to do it. 
but the new groups are where we've usually been involved. So we encourage new believers even, uh, even people who are seekers. I mean, we share the gospel through the material, try to make it as low of a bar as an easy of an entry point for anyone to come on board. It's not like you have to be in the deep end of the pool for a minimum of 10 years before you can go through this material. It's really intended for all people. To your question about defining discipleship, the way we define it in Master Life Together is it's a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ experienced in a lifelong journey of obedience. So discipleship is not primarily determined by how long you've been a Christian, and yet it's something that you never finish doing. Like, yes, we can say we've been discipled, but none of us here on earth stop growing as a disciple. We all have room to grow. Man, those are so such wise insights. I love what you said there. And I love the aspect that, A, a new believer should be challenged to do this. And B, for those of us that have been believers for a while, or if you know, you're know you a pastor at a church like I am, you know, you've got people who've been Christians for various lengths of time, and then you have individuals that maybe their spiritual maturity is a different metric from time in. I don't know, you know how you how you put that bar graph together, but we know there is a difference sometimes between time in the church and actual discipleship. And then I think for me as a man, I need a challenge and I'm most likely to accept a challenge when I'm running with other people who are willing to challenge me. And so I think that's where the value of what you and Allison have done here is you've provided an opportunity for people to take a step forward in discipleship, whether it's a new group or whether it's an existing group, there is going to be some scripture memorization. You've abbreviated it to where we don't have four different volumes. I'm, I think they were binders originally. My parents have binders with gold trim or something, and they're pretty thick and they're pretty intimidating, to be honest with you. So you provided something that's going to serve us well and provide that challenge and be willing to jump in there and, and get after it. And, and I kind of want to pick y'all's brain on this for a little bit. We have making disciples, but we also, in today's church world, there's a lot of people that will say, well, hey, I'm in a community group, or I'm in a life group, or I'm in a Sunday school group, something like that. And Matt, you, you were kind of hitting on it there that it's the personal ongoing relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, I don't think there's a secret sauce necessarily to community groups, life groups are making disciples. And if I'm being critical of, of some churches that have these gatherings yet, um, maybe they're wider than they are deep. I mean, is that something that that is fair or around making disciples, not actually just like, quote unquote, doing life together? I think making disciples is not just happening in one specific way. You look at Jesus, the master of making disciples, and he did it in a variety of ways, both in the investment of time he spent, and I think that's part of it. Any church's average community group, life group, home group, they're, if they're doing that one hour a week, I mean, it pales in comparison to how much time they're on the internet or watching TV. It's like, you're just not putting enough time into that most important relationship with Christ and with other believers. But I think it also takes intentionality. So I definitely think disciples are made in some traditional structures within church, but it takes a leader who is going to be intentional and be able to say to some of the people in the group, if not all of them over time, hey, come with me. Hey, let me show you how 
I pray, how I memorize scripture, how I share the faith, modeling that behavior with people is huge. Obviously, we're biased, but we're committed that this is an extremely effective way. Yeah, and a lot of the exercises that you'll find in the workbook are really experiential. So much more than just um, eliciting answers based off of head knowledge, you know, read this passage and what does it say, you know, logically from your brain. It's more of like, okay, I want you to sit with Jesus and I want you to imagine him looking into your eyes. And I want you to you take a minute to hear what he's saying to you based off of this scripture that you just read. You know, so it's it's very experiential. And we feel like that's really where transformation happens is when we begin to experience that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, where we're hearing his voice and we're responding to it, and we're we're opening up our heart to Him and pouring out our heart to Him, and that's where that love and trust begins, and that's what transforms our lives. You know, it's not head knowledge; it has nothing, really, nothing to do with head knowledge. You know, we've met people, um, you know, around the world who who are illiterate, who have no one to read the Bible to them, and yet they can still have a relationship with Christ. It's not only about the intellectual pursuit, you know, it's about um, connecting with a God who is personal. Well, Allison, that's such a profound point. I think that's uh, sometimes we miss in the life of the church when we think the acquisition of more information is going to result in transformation. And I think you put that so well that it's not simply downloading information. We have plenty of information, but it, there, there's something more. And I love the word you said, relationship. And when I think about the seasons of my life that have been the most spiritually fruitful, it was not the acquisition of more information. It was the application through relationship, you know, with God. I think that's uh, the most important aspect of our spiritual walk to be, to know God in relationship and the intimacy there. There's just, uh, just so critical. So I'm excited knowing the, the legacy that you guys are following, knowing that it had a powerful impact on my family. I'm excited about the impact of this new book that you've written, how these, biblical and timeless principles can spur people on in discipleship, man, to, to take it to another level with their own walk with God. And so it's exciting. Let me ask you this question, guys. Uh, what does a week look like? Can you share a bit about kind of how it would be organized and structured and what would people be looking at? Should they purchase the book and, and form a group? Yeah. Well, first, let me say that the process takes a bare minimum of 12 weeks, but there's some recommended sessions that can make it a maximum of 18 weeks. So there's some flexibility for the group as to what they want to do. When you look at the first 12 weeks, they're broken up into four sections. Uh, the first one's your relationship with God, seconds with your inner self, then relationship with others, and then your relationship with the world. And you can think about the daily kind of investment for someone in the group would probably be somewhere between, you know, 20 and 30 minutes a day, um, you know, maybe 15 if you're if you're quick. Um, and it may take a little bit longer for some people. And then the group sessions we tailored to be about an hour and a half. Um, but, you know, you could potentially, you know, squeeze it into a one hour group session, or definitely you could extend it to a two hour group session. So um, we try to make something that that, you know, people could utilize in their own context. I kind of want to close with 
what we ask pastors and church leaders each and every week. Typically, we talk about creating margin, and, and Matt, you kind of hit on that a little bit, which is maybe part of the reason why most pastors don't disciple, because maybe they don't have the time or the, the energy commitment to it. Uh, we also talk about avoiding burnout, uh, and so that's taking care of your yourself. Um, and, and then we also talk about leading effectively, and I think this type of curriculum, this type of discipleship is is modeling that. Um, so I'm kind of curious, you know, do you guys have any takeaway, any final encouragement um, for someone listening to this or around one of those topics? Well, one of the things we talk about in Master Life together are having good rhythms that are healthy. So we talk about four, divert daily, which the foundation of that is a quiet time alone with God. Uh, there's withdraw weekly, which we have the biblical foundation there of the Sabbath. Move out monthly is something that maybe listeners aren't as familiar with. For us, we try to have several extended hours alone with the Lord on a monthly basis, reflecting on the last month, looking ahead, praying for what He has for us in the future. Then the fourth one is abandoning annually. So that could be a week-long family vacation. It may be a sabbatical, you know, that someone is on to be able to really recharge and be ready for the next season of ministry that God has for them. And we also do talk in Master Life together, we talk a lot about boundaries. So not only rhythms, but also just boundaries and how, you know, prioritize your time. How can you really have the framework to successfully relate to Jesus on a consistent basis, you know? So we feel really strongly about margin and boundaries and rhythms. And so we really have incorporated that into this material. I love it. Divert daily, withdraw weekly, move out monthly, and abandon annually. It took me seven years and coming close to complete burnout before I even began to do some of this. And so I think uh, when it comes to ministry, we've not discipled people well in the ways of Jesus to be reminded that, as I think Robbie Gallaty says it like this in one of his books, Jesus is not available all the time, right? <laughs> and I, when I read that, I was just one of those light bulb moments of like, I feel like I need to be available to every request. And it's like, man, no, you don't. That was just kind of the, the fire that expanded that type of thinking and conviction in my own life. It's difficult though in ministry. And uh, thankfully my wife is a good partner in this. She loves me enough to say, Hey, you've not been home enough or you're not taking care of this enough or you're on your phone too much. And, She's very justified when she points those things out. And so I'm thankful that she is uh, willing to help me in that respect and point those things out because I kind of have workaholic tendencies and, and that does not go well for those that are in ministry if they're planning on staying long. Well, Matt and Allison, this has been awesome. Thank you guys so much for sharing uh, this time with us and talking about your new book, Master Life Together. I'm excited to get my new copy. I know where I got my copy, but where should people get uh, Master Life Together. Where can they find it? How can they order it? Etc. So if someone were to search online for Master Life Together, Matt and Allison Willis, you'll find it on a variety of different platforms. An easy link, though, that if someone wanted to write it down or type it in on their phone, it would be a bit.ly link. So it's bit.ly slash Master Life Together. 
and that directs to Lifeway's website where you can pre-order it or obviously buy it once it comes out October 3rd as well. And we will also put a link to it in the show notes. Matt and Allison Willis, thank you again for joining us on the Thriving in Ministry podcast. Uh, Love you guys. Uh, Appreciate your leadership. Thanks for doing it. Great. Thanks so much. Well, as always, we hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, as we want to encourage pastors in their efforts to press on and thrive in ministry. And we hope that our time together each week will help you do that and and be all that God has called you to be. That's right. And we'd love for you to connect with us on social media. Subscribe and consider leaving a review on the podcast. If you'd like to share this within your sphere to other pastors, ministry leaders, or committed Christians, be sure to pass that along. Just remember, you can also find additional content on dailypastor.com. Email us at thedailypastor at gmail.com if we can serve you in any way. Matt, Allison, thanks so much. It's been awesome, and I can't wait. I'll be sure to pass along uh, my insights to Kyle and then back to you as I get my hands on your latest book. So God bless you guys. Thanks again. All right, now to pound down a 20-pack of chicken nuggets. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast. We want you to stay in the fight and thrive in ministry.